we're Esther and Jaff, and we're the Well-Spoken Tokens. Hello. Um, this podcast tries to fix the cultural sector to try and make it a bit more inclusive for everyone. And today we are doing an episode which we've called Dear White People, and it's in parentheses, in brackets, how to be a good ally. So Ooh, we're going to talk. I would like to. I would like to make a quick caveat. Um, white people, in my mind, has become synonymous with white, straight, cisgendered person. Okay. Because and I we feel can like... dig into that, and I think we should dig into that because, particularly with the way we've been talking about our mighty whites in air quotes, you know, um, it's not just about you know being someone who's white and responding to uh, POC people of color. It's also about being ableist and making sure that these people are uh, LGBT inclusive. So yeah, cool, good caveat there, Jeff. Um, so the title of the episode was influenced by, we might as well get into it straight away, my pop culture reference, which is Dear White People, which was a film and subsequently a TV series uh, written by Justin Simeon. And uh, the film starred the incomparable Tessa Thompson. And she was recast in the TV series um, uh, by... Logan Browning, uh, playing Sam White, who is a provocative radio DJ host at her university, and the host and her show is called Dear White People, where she basically goes through a few things that you know people could do to maybe not make other people feel othered. I would say. Um, Angry though, um, which is fine. It's fair to be angry, Um, but I think. My personal approach, anyway, is a little bit different in terms yeah. of we want to invite you in rather than shout at you. Yeah, I mean, I I shout at people all the time, but first <laughs> I try and invite them in, and then when they don't listen, then I start. Shouting. Yeah, and I think it was very much a response to certain things that were happening on the campus, um, in the show. Um, I do highly recommend the show. It's on Netflix, and it it's allowed to go a lot deeper than the film does because I did enjoy the film but I think you know there's not a lot you can do in 90 minutes whereas the tv show is really great there's in particular in season one a standout episode for me which is directed by Moonlight's director Barry Jenkins um, and I just think it's really powerful powerful television so uh yeah dear white people it's also full of beautiful beautiful people oh so many gorgeous people I mean Tessa Thompson the pansexual nightmare it, it's, I think it's, there is something there for absolutely goddamn everyone, quite frankly, from the older cast to the young cast, it is filled with active talent, um, yeah, it's really, really, really great to, um, to see that much good black talent as well on screen and getting recognised, um, so yeah, um, and, you know, I've always said, I feel like pop culture visibility is a really important thing because that leads to better awareness and better acceptance in culture, generally speaking. Um, So, yeah. So, do you want to... Yeah, we wanted to discuss this definition of an ally because we use that term quite a lot. So, Jeff, do you want to get into the definition of an ally and maybe some thoughts about how you think people can be better allies? Uh, I don't even think I have a definition of an ally. You 
wrote one down in our show notes. I did, but it doesn't actually mean much. To, okay. Like, I, um, I, in my little journey of um, yeah. finding allies and stuff, I feel a bit like it's really easy for people to self-identify as an ally and be like, I want a cookie for just even saying that I'm an ally. And really, it's a verb. It's not like an identity. It's an action that you continuously, continuously do. So like I have a little list, uh, which I'll read out to you guys, um, of what I think, what actions I think allies can take. Um, cool. I think that is a really good fulfill that kind of role that they want to fulfill. So okay. one, be intolerant of intolerance. So that is very um, active. That's something like if somebody says something, uh, makes a joke that you don't agree with, that you think is homophobic or racist or othering in any kind of way, call it out, even if it's in a work environment, even if it's someone more higher than you. Like I'm have no issues with telling people that they need to call out their bosses um obviously you need to make sure your job is safe and they are going to in no way try and buy you uh, join a union that's helpful for that um confront your own racism and don't be fragile about it so when you say think or interact in some way that someone has said is problematic then sit down and really think about it and have a little discussion in your head or do some research about it. Um, and don't immediately become defensive because they're not saying that you as a person are a terrible person. We are all born into this very, very Eurocentric colonized world that has given us these subliminal messages from the minute that we're born. So there's a lot that we can't help thinking but that doesn't mean we can't undo the thinking. And uh, this brings me on to the next point, which is seek out marginalized voices and perspectives. Spend a whole year reading books just written by women of color. Spend a whole year reading books just by written by women of color who uh, happen to be trans. Like, just make that a point of something that you want to do and then do it. And if you realize, if you find that you can't do it because there's not enough books, then that's something that you can try and like, voice to people and say oh there's not enough books by these types of people or there are but they have to pretend that they're a white man and change their name just to get the books published that kind of thing or like podcasts like this one or tv shows or anything just open open up the brain and try and find some other things to to watch that you wouldn't normally be interested in um, use your privilege to support marginalized voices. So this is really, really varied. This could be from like going on Twitter and following some um, important voices that you believe um, are marginalized and have something to say. Retweet them. Don't necessarily like comment on anything they have to say. Just read what they have to say and absorb it and try and use that in your daily life. Or you could. Uh, give money to movements from marginalized groups that you agree with, um, which is actually my next point. Um, also be proactive about inclusion in your daily life. So again, that includes what you consume in terms of pop culture, books, um, even cafes and restaurants that you go to. 
if you really really love a particular kind of food make sure that you go to that place that is owned by that ethnicity um just to make sure that small business owners from different backgrounds get the money that they deserve because that is something that can be a problem looking at you children um be proactive oh sorry avoid segregation um this is something that i recently obviously i'm a person of color but um recently did i moved from one area of manchester which i was like stuck out like a sore thumb because i was predominantly the only person of color in the area at any given time and i moved somewhere which to me i felt more comfortable being there because it was in crazy diverse and one of the main reasons i actually moved was because of the amount of different <laughs> types of food I could get because of the different types of people that lived there and the different types of restaurants that popped up. So that's one way to avoid segregation, but obviously that's a huge way. Another way is just to take part in, like I don't want to be like, go and find yourself a, you know, a brown friend or go and find yourself a black friend or a trans friend, or I guess it's just be open to meeting anyone from any walks of life. Because if they can't hang out with the friends that you already have for fear of them discriminating, then you have the wrong friends. And take time to do the work. So like listening to this podcast or reading things that you don't know or just like immerse yourself in these things. And you are going to get so depressed and so upset when you open your mind to what the world is like for people who are marginalised. And I'm really sorry about that. And it does suck ass. But eventually, you kind of come out the other side and you go, well, now I know what it's like. I'm going to take all of that anger and disappointment and I'm going to put it into action and I'm going to really work hard to make sure that I can use my privilege to help these people out. And that would be my definition of an ally. Cool. Um, so jumping off from some of the things you said, I was trying to think specifically in a work context, things I'd like to say, but also things I should be doing more of as well. Um, and so like I'd come up with a little mini sort of jump off list. Um, I'm going to ignore my first one, which was just address your privilege and don't deflect because I think you just said that so eloquently. Um, in meetings, I think there's a tendency to avoid confrontation. So I put don't look down and you know support someone else who's saying something you know if you are that person who says x hasn't finished speaking that person you know might need to that and even if you don't agree with the point you know just being that supportive person in that space and giving them the space to feel like actually maybe not everyone's going to agree maybe mm. not everyone's going to listen but being the person to say actually at least one other person is listening is really really powerful i think yeah, that goes back to something i'm in there with a very yeah, specific go for it. thing when people get upset about discrimination and they happen to be a person of color don't tell them they're being aggressive yeah because yeah it it's so... like that thing where when pe people tell you to calm down that's never had the calming effect on a single single person ever and it's, it's really so... reductive it's really diminishing and it's really minimizing and, it's and so... that happens all the time it's so racially charged that i think people don't even realize how racially charged it is when they're saying it that's why i'm bringing it up cool. it's not 
it's perceived aggression by the other person a lot of the time um especially when it's women white women saying it to women of color because like you say it is the equivalent of a man telling you that you're being hormonal and that's the only way i can describe it it's completely incorrect and untrue um yeah that gaslighting and that you know getting everyone else to say well actually this person crazy you know that stereotype of the mad black woman yeah um yeah no that's a really good point um what else did i have oh i had to start things inclusively one thing that really 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 frustrates me is when people talk the talk of saying that they want to be allies talk about all the things that they want to do and that they're really open to doing listening to people and then they'll start something from fresh and you look around the room and it's all cis white people and it's like no you had an opportunity to start off doing something that actually brought in other voices from the start and wasn't an afterthought i'm gonna do a shameless plug um yeah empowered collaboration is on my website and it is based the basis of what esther is saying you create an advisory board with an intersectional group of people at the beginning of each project that you're creating or exhibition or um collection that you're creating and you take all of their opinions and their valuable life experience on board and you give them you compensate them for their time and this ensures that you created a space that is welcoming to every person from every walk of life um and i'm just going to quickly add on to that as well that if you do want to confront your privilege i do have a privilege quiz on my website as well which is completely free um at intersectionalglam.org um those are two free resources um there is further training available on there but um it just occurred to me that that was one of the jumping off points for creating my training was the really really strong belief that people should be involved from the very beginning to avoid yeah. having to stick it on at the end yeah and that was what where i was going um time and time again i've been on projects where they say the consultation is presenting something you've already produced and getting it rubber stamped by a group of people and that's not consultation to me consultation to me is starting from a place where you actually have a blank state and building your project around the things you hear not having an idea and then going out to a group of people saying oh well we took it to this group and they thought this was all wonderful they made tweaks no it's actually starting from the beginning and if you're doing that then by the end of it that is ongoing consultation as opposed to having something that has basically come from that one narrow place and become the thing and it will read in what you the finished product is it will read as that one narrow perspective and also once you've done this empowered collaboration that jeff is talking about it will read in your finished product because other people will come and see it other people will come and experience it and other people will feel connected to it and love it and enjoy it and that is the outcome of what really good culture and heritage should be that everybody comes and loves and enjoys it not a narrow group and if you do that from the start and not as an afterthought then i think that's really important um the other thing that i'd put on my list was um from when there was the bfi black star um keynote speech by david a yellow 
he made a really important point. If you look around and everybody looks like you, it's a problem. Change that. So it's Agreed. just, you know, it's, oh, I, one of the things I did when I started with Museum Detox and when we started planning this podcast, I went to meetings and every single time I went to a meeting, I counted how many people in the meeting were there and how many people of colour there were in the meeting. Now, that was just for me. I did people of colour. But also, if I'm looking at how many LGBT people are in the meeting, if I'm looking at how many people with disabilities are in the meeting, you know, I'm very lucky. One of the meetings I go to, we did some mental health first aid training and a lot of us talked about our experiences with mental health. And actually it tracked about how welcome I felt in that group, despite being, you know, one of the few people of colour in it. And it was one of few, not one of zero. But for a lot of my meetings, I will go and I will be one of two people of colour in that meeting. Um, and again, when we go and we have those things that are really important to cultural organisations, talking about diversity and inclusivity, they don't talk about the makeup of their organisations as being a reason that they struggle with inclusivity. And I was in a meeting last week where I think there were 30 odd participants and there were two of us of colour in that meeting. And they're talking about how they'd been discussing what they would do for inclusivity. And they'd been discussing it for a while and not implemented anything. And I just felt that was if you're coming from a perspective of a person of colour, there would be way less discussion and more, actually, let's start trying this thing. Let's try to start doing this thing. And there would be less fear as well. So, yeah, if you're looking around, there's no one like you uh, and everyone looks like you, that's a problem. If you look around and there is not a mix of people, there is a problem. And that's something that actively and proactively needs to be addressed um so yeah we talked about compensation um and yeah compensating people pro properly as jasmine mentioned you know marginalized groups generally have a lot of lower economic power for various reasons if you're increasing that opportunity for them to get paid for what they should be doing and you should be paying people properly anyway you know that increases the power that that group can have so at every level make sure you are doing that proper compensation for people i think that's really important so yeah those were my thoughts on your thoughts on um being a good ally and I, you know it's an ongoing process we all need to work on it um but again the reason we have our mighty white section is because we see that in people we see people doing this work and doing it well and creating better spaces and that's something that we absolutely love celebrating I want to be celebrating more and more and more and more and more. I have a hot take that people might Go not for like. It. If you say you're an ally to one group of people and you aren't to another group of people who are also marginalised, you can fuck off. <laughs> Why do you think I wouldn't in like that? I don't know, I don't know what the listeners are going to think, but in my mind, if you support LGB and you don't support the T, like, I don't, in my mind, uh, I don't understand that at all, because are you just supporting people that it's socially required for you to support? Or are you supporting people because it's morally right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the questions I get a lot um, is, am I gay? Because I am 
very actively i will share things about trans exclusion i'll share lgbt things that i'm involved with um and um one i just think it's a really weird question to ask anyone you know it's like unless you're asking me out and that's a very different question why do you care who i sleep with but it's this idea that because i am so much of a supporter and actively and prominently and vocally and visually um that i must be part of that group and for the most part it comes from family members um i've been called uh, sexually confused I am not sexually confused. I am very, very aware of my sexuality, but it's just I'm so romantically confused. Does that count? Ugh, I'm not romantically confused. I'm just pathetic at it. Oh, um, yeah, I just yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm just confused <laughs> about human interaction. But yeah, it's this thing that, like, for me to be an active supporter of something, that means I have to be part of that group. No, the reason I'm doing this podcast, the reason that I think that it's important is that I have experienced marginalisation and I can empathise with someone else who's experienced marginalisation in whatever capacity that is. And if I can do something to share that, promote that, talk about that and elevate that struggle and hopefully reduce that struggle ultimately, I absolutely want to be doing that. 100%. And, I've been really yeah. reflecting on my cisgendered privilege recently as something mm-hmm. that I until a few years ago didn't even think about and it is so eye-opening like it's just i don't even have the language to explain how different like everything would just be so different if i didn't have that privilege like how my life would be so so different um, oh, absolutely. And just being also in my the, work, fund- the, the fundamentalness of being comfortable in your own body and who you are and all of that. That's just, it's the very basis of being able to function in the society on a level where everyone is accepting of you in some form, even if you do experience, even if I do experience marginalization in other ways. And it's given me so much more respect for my transgender friends. And actually, I feel like really proud and privileged to say that I have transgender friends. I had a friend who, um, when he was talking about his transition, I was apparently one of the first people that they told. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. That's, that is a really special privilege, you know, that is, they think so they, that they're comfortable enough that I'm not going to judge them, which I do not, mm-hmm. that my concerns are, you know, I'm hoping that this will be a smooth experience. It won't, you know, financially be terrible for them because obviously that's one of the a huge aspects of it is, mm-hmm. you know, there is a lot of judgment about how they look sometimes. And, you know, that physical transformation can be very expensive. The whole process of registration is expensive. I've, I've had to educate myself a lot about that and I'm still educating myself about a lot of issues there. Um, but, you know, um, it, um, when I was younger, I was also someone that um, my cousin, when she came out as a lesbian, I was one of the first people she told. And that is a privilege to be, you know, trusted with something that someone feels scared about whatever it is that really means a great deal to me Um, it really is it's like um i think if you are someone in the world that someone feels 
that they can talk to and you've created that space for them you should be fucking proud of yourself yes a hundred percent because there's there's um in my mind there's like two kind of safe spaces that i have there's a safe spaces that i have with people who understand me because they know me really well um and i sometimes might have to explain myself to them just a little bit because they're not from my background and they don't exactly have the same life experience and then there's a safe space where i can just turn up and tell a story and i don't have to explain exactly where the racism lies or where any of the sexism lies and people will just completely understand it and it's almost like a sigh of relief in those two areas so if i can be that person for anyone i am more than willing to be that person because there's nothing like that feeling of being able to just completely let any kind of that energy that goes into presenting a certain way even when we don't realize that we're doing it to yeah. make sure that we're understood and our point of view is understood and we aren't being told that we're being over dramatic or hysterical or um or well, even just doubted that's like that are yeah. you sure that yeah, questioning almost like um stealing yourself up for that question yeah stealing yourself up for that kind of oh god i'm gonna have to go into this now yeah yeah but more and more um i understand and i'm choosing the space that i'm in more and more but also that is one of the things that's one of the reasons i think i want to be more ambitious with my career uh, not just me, personal gain, finances, which are all very important things, mm. but also to know that I can create, have more power to create those spaces for other people and yeah. to dictate the ways in which other people work. To, because if people aren't willing to do that work themselves, then actually going, well, actually, this is how I work and you need to fall in line with that because that's the space that I've created here and this is the environment I've created. Um, I think that's also that thing about people who are in positions of power who are doing this work i think that's really important because they can drive this much more effectively this is very very true um so we are going to take a quick break and after the break we'll be back um and we'll talk a little bit more about how to become an ally and potentially an accomplice if you're up to the job see you in a minute Hi, every, hi everyone just wanted to say thank you for listening and give you an update on what we've got going on over here at well spoken tokens and intersectional glam so first off the intersectional glam conference has been moved to august 2021 Tickets are available on Eventbrite and the link will be in the show description. I've also created three training sessions so far. These are available on intersectionalglam.org. We have online training for unconscious and implicit bias training for glam professionals. We have diversity, inclusion and intersectionality training for glam professionals and also trans awareness training for glam professionals. Coming out in August, we 20. 20, we will also have anti-racism training, uh, which will all be available on the website intersectionalglam.org. We have also created a tip jar. Uh, we want to make this podcast as 
elegant and beautiful and well-rounded as possible. So if you have any spare coinage, please send it our way and we can make sure to make this podcast the best that we possibly can. Thank you so much. All links will be available in the show description. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hi, welcome back. So we have been discussing, dear white people, how to be a good ally. And you mentioned this concept that we were discussing of being, how to elevate it up to being an accomplice. So particularly when we talk about our mighty whites, we talk about them as being our allies, but actually probably we'd say because of the consistency of the behaviour, you know, the fact that they are, you know, solidly embedding this in practice, solidly doing this all day long, every day, that we would actually say they're more like an accomplice. So, yeah. Um, what for you elevates what an accomplice level, Jess? Someone who's willing to get in trouble. Yeah, properly stick their neck out. Yeah, like someone who'll go not to pride with you, but to a protest. Or both. Yeah. And not just go with you to a protest. You turn up at the protest and they're there and you weren't the one to tell them about it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, so I wasn't actually aware of the work of Kids of Colour HQ. Uh, Kids of Colour. Uh, and people should definitely follow them because they document the experiences of um, kids of colour and their experiences with the police. Um, it's edifying and as you said it can be incredibly incredibly depressing to read some of their stories and experiences mm. and that was a group that I became aware of because of a white friend who was like yeah I've been going to these meetings I've been going along you should know about these people as well I know you totally chime with all of them and yeah that was brought to me by a white friend and I was like whoa you are doing the work you really do care and you are actually you know making sure that people are understanding what these issues are and that it's important for it not just to come from black people it needs to come from or people of colour it needs to come from everybody to pressure put pressure on organisations who aren't doing the work and like let's be honest they're more likely to listen to a white face than they are to a brown face anyway it is the power of collaboration but yeah but yeah, no, no I mean, like, if, um, <laughs> no, I do know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. If you want to, it's like the equivalent That's it, using that power. of, yeah, it's the equivalent of like, if you know a fact to be true, but you need to get your male friend to say it because the person that you're speaking to has more respect for other men than they do for women. So they're not going to believe you. And whether or not it's like, crazy obvious or it's a subconscious thing that they do it's what you've got to do to get the point across yeah so any final thoughts on being a good ally being an accomplice before we move on to our mighty white i think with being an accomplice it's really not something that you can say that you are it has to be attributed to you yeah I think it has to be attributed to you and I think even with me I always say I try to be an ally like yeah. I never I would never say I am an ally I, that's for someone else to decide and that may vary from person to person because they will have different ideas of what it is to be an ally 
but because I set the bar very high for myself and other people who I would consider allies to myself hopefully I am reaching that goal but I think to make it almost unattainable is a good thing for me personally because then I will continue to try it's not something that you oh, just I like that. are and then you just that's it you are you well done you get a medal or whatever you have to keep actively doing it yeah and it can lead to virtue sticker milling and like oh god how amazing am I oh my god I'm so wonderful and actually no it shouldn't be about that it should be am I doing something every day that is making this situation better yes and it's always it's always never about you unless yeah. you are the marginalized group that you are speaking of behalf of with reference to your experiences but then obviously we have that issue of i don't speak for all people of color exactly so that's why i said of your experiences yeah then absolutely. you can say like in my experience this is what's happened but i am privileged in these ways for someone who's not privileged in these ways they will have a completely different experience even if we share the same skin color and even if yeah. we are both technically from the same ethnicity our skin tones might be different and due to colorism we will get treated differently so it's really nuanced in so many different ways so if you want to be an ally or a accomplice and you're in a room uh full of people whom you are trying to support and you are not part of that marginalized group don't talk absolutely do not talk because it's very likely that for the most part of your life your voice has been the only one that people really care about or you have perceived that it's the only one that people really care about and again that's not a judgment call that is just the world that we live in so just make sure that you are actively keeping your mouth shut and not questioning any of the experiences of those people cool i think that is a great note to move on to our segment about our little uh uh my dear accomplices <laughs> oh yeah do you have one i was i've been thinking about giving uh mr john holmes a shout out oh we're both friends of, with mr john holmes i've not done that yet he has been an absolute rock um very similarly to a lot of friends that i have who are sort of my gut check and my just person that will i will rant and rant and rant to you about something awful that's happened we'll joke about it we'll laugh about it and then we'll move on and the whole night will be about something else it doesn't con it's not all consuming and that's what i really like there's a moment to get it off your chest and then you can have a drink, you can have a chat, you go watch film, you go do something completely different. And then it's no longer in your brain. And I think that's really, really important because microaggressions and discrimination can actually aid you in a cellular level. The 2017 American Journal of Scientific Medicine discovered that in a test that they did with um, black males, that it does actually it's not funny but it actually does make you age quicker which wow. is interesting because people with melanin tend not to look as old so could you imagine if we didn't have racism like how young we would look 
Oh. Um, no, that is really interesting um, because obviously, you know, the psychological effects of what happens to you when, you know, you have to deal with microaggressions, I think is very obvious. And the fact that they've tried to track that medically, I find really interesting. And it'd be interesting to see if there were more studies to support that as well. American, after the American Journal did that study, they also found that representation uh, is um responsible for creating pride in one's history and the way that they look and feel and that can actually reduce the aging process so if we are representing people properly we can actually stop people from feeling those kinds of micro microaggressions at a cellular level and we can actually reduce the cortisol levels in their bodies and we can make them not age as quickly and not have as much stress in their bodies and I feel like that is a lot of what my mighty whites do for me is I get really stressed out. I get really upset. I have nowhere to go. I turn to them. They bring me back down to that base chill level that everyone can clearly as I am. And then I'm able to get on with my day and get on with my life and not consistently think about it. Because another thing that I found out was that if you think about a particular thing that's happened to you within if you continuously think about it um keep replaying that memory in your brain for 24 hours that memory will be put into your long-term memory so then every time you think about it your body will have the same physical reaction to what has happened because it doesn't realize it's a memory it thinks it's happening again so not only do micro traumas hurt you at the beginning if you don't have someone to help you like almost suck out that poison and throw it away you will continuously think about it and your body will continue continue to be traumatized in a physical way not we're not even got onto the mental aspect of it but like will hurt you in a physical way continuously so having those mighty whites and having a safe space and having a space where you can actually have an accomplice and uh and an ally and you can have somewhere where you can talk about these things is actually physically and psychologically so important wow yeah and again it's of these things where you instinctively know that that once you've had that release it physically makes you feel better you can move on you're not as stressed and as emotionally um disturbed but yeah to know that you know you can actually put back into people's lives by being an accomplice, being an ally, being supportive is amazing. Um, and more people should do it. Um, for my mighty weight this week, um, I've been trying to sort of mix in people who I know and love, people who have professionally supported me, but also, as I've said, pop culture is really, really important to me and that visibility I get to see on screen. So this week I'm going with Michelle, Michelle Lavretta who is the creator, writer, and showrunner of a show called Killjoys. Um, from, from time, I have loved science fiction, and I think science fiction is really great at showing marginalised voices in a really interesting and skilled way. I'm an obsessive sci-fi fan. Uh, I love Killjoys. Um, and there's a particular episode in series three called A Skinner Darkly, and the majority of that cast in that episode are disabled people. So they're called hack mods. They're people who have had genetic modifications 
forced upon them um, and quite a lot of them are amputees, double amputees um, and so all of the hack mobs are played by disabled people and they're pretty consistently just badasses through the episode and seeing these characters um, and these actors all different walks of life, all different backgrounds um, and just it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful episode of an amazing show. Um, and I just love that the showrunner was like, yeah, no, we're not going to CGI this in. We're not going to digital it in. We're going to use actual amputees to show this. And we're going to show them as amazingly beautiful. If you just Google that episode and have a look at the main villain in the episode, this is not a spoiler. She's very obviously a villain from the start. She's <laughs> a goddess. She is beautiful. She looks stunning. And yeah, I just think that Michelle Lebretta, that episode is a prime example of what you can do if you just say, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to represent. So that's my Mighty White for this week. Fantastic. Cool. So this is the end of our season, uh, our first series of episodes. We really hope you've enjoyed them. We really hope you thought they've helped you to think more deeply about some subjects, that you're going to go out, you're going to do some work, you're going to do some reading. I know I am. Um, and, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed our guests. We've really, really appreciated every one of our guests for coming on and sharing their experiences. And we will be back soon with more episodes. Please do write to us. Please do email us on wellspokentokens at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter, well underscore spoken underscore tease on Twitter. Uh, please do check out intersectional glam, intersectionalglam.org because, again, there's lots of free resources, but also some paid resources. You can throw some love at uh, Jasper's project because it is amazing. Any final words from you, Jasper? Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who came on. Thank you to everyone who has taken away any semblance of goodness or advice or anything from this podcast. Um, and thank you to you, Jasper, because you are the best person to do this with. I've really enjoyed this collaboration. Oh, thank you. Thank you to you. This has been really, it's been a, it's been a ride. I've had to learn a lot, but it's been really We've fun. We've both learned so much. Mm -hmm. um, I'm learning from you every day. I'm learning from you every day. We inspire each other. It's fantastic. I love it. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> take care. Bye bye. And thank you for listening. Bye. I love you. <laughs>